I grew up speaking English, you know, um, our, my home country is a former Eng- um, English, British colony. So mm-hmm. English has been there my whole life. But then having to go to Scotland, I think it took me about two months to fully adjust and understand everything. I have this one story um, when I had gone online shopping for groceries and, um, you know, booked it and everything. And then the driver will call you and, and let you know that he's there. So it was, I think, my second week in, in Edinburgh. And then mm. the guy called and I didn't understand anything. And I was like, sorry, I didn't understand. And then he spoke again. And I'm like, oh, what? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't get it. And then he's just like, I'm outside. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. (laughs) But this was a different case because I actually um, learned later on that he had a Glaswegian accent, which is much thicker than the Edinburgh accent. So it does take a while to adjust to the Scottish accent, regardless of Edinburgh or Glasgow or even further north. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Tendiso, or Tendi, as the guest. I got to connect with Tendi thanks to a mutual friend of ours, Nyasha, who was the guest on episode three of this podcast (laughs) three years ago. And... um, I think it came up during that episode. Nyasha had mentioned to me about wanting to start her own podcast with a friend of hers, a fellow Zimbabwean woman, to talk about various topics that Zimbabwean women often don't feel comfortable or might even feel afraid uh, discussing publicly, but then also talking about uh, their own perspectives on things, given that both Nyasha and her friend left Zimbabwe and moved to other countries to further their education and and start their careers. And so Tendi is that friend. (laughs) And the show that they did thankfully start uh, is called Shake the Table. They launched it back in early 2020, not long after lockdown first started. And so yeah, I finally got the chance to meet Tendi. Thanks to Nyasha, she connected us on WhatsApp, and so now we're here. <laughs> so Tendi, as I mentioned, left uh, Zimbabwe after she graduated high school. She moved to Scotland for her undergrad. She was actually supposed to go to Canada, and I'll let you hear from her about why that didn't end up working out. But she went to Scotland instead, Edinburgh specifically, and loved it there. Spent a total of, um, well, her program was four years, but one of those years was spent in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, Her focus was economics and management, and then she also got to do a dual degree program where she got to spend a year in Frankfurt and earn an international business degree in the process. So Tendi was 19 when she moved to Edinburgh and you know spent the next few years doing all of the things that she set out to do there and also in Frankfurt. And then she had to move back home to Zimbabwe due to some issues with immigration laws and visa requirements in the UK which she thankfully explained to me in depth and so um, 
Unfortunately, she did not get to stay in the UK as she had hoped. And then she had to come up with another plan. And so she ended up going back to Germany again, this time to Marburg, which is very close to Frankfurt. And she earned her master's there, also in economics. It's actually quite noteworthy that she moved to Germany again and decided to give it another chance because uh, that first year in Frankfurt did not leave a good taste in her mouth. <laughs> she was kind of over Germany at that point. Um, but she, you know, gave it another try and actually ended up liking it a lot more, loving it even. And she's been in Germany ever since. She got her master's, she met her now husband, she got a job in her field and she works in finance now, and now she lives in Berlin, which she is really feeling. Has only been there uh, a few months, but is really enjoying it already. So. Yeah, we talked about that entire trajectory. Tendiso was very forthcoming with all sorts of different details and anecdotes about her experiences in Europe. Yeah, so very informative, very kind and heartfelt. It was a joy to be able to talk to her. And thankfully, I would like to say that I did not forget to ask Tendi where people could reach her or keep up with her online. I remembered that this time. <laughs> but in the process of talking to her about Shake the Table, um, I already know where to find it. And so I forgot to ask for the benefit of other people <laughs> where Shake the Table could be found. So if you're interested in listening to the podcast that she co-hosts with um, our mutual friend, Yasha, then you can find Shake the Table on SoundCloud and Spotify, and you can also find them on social media at ShakeTheTableZW on Instagram and Twitter. So, there you go. <laughs> and without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Tendiso Mashonganika. You know, I'm really glad that you agreed to be a guest. I'm really, I've been really looking forward to this because, uh, I remember like three years ago, was it three? Yeah, a little mm-hmm. over three years ago when I interviewed Nyasha and she told me that, um, she wanted to start her own podcast and she had a friend, uh, fellow Zimbabwean friend she wanted to start the show with. I was like, oh, that's yeah. cool. I didn't know that yeah. was you. And then eventually the show came, you know, <laughs> Shake the Table came out and I got familiar with your voice and I was like, oh, okay, that's the friend she was talking about. They finally did it, you know? <laughs> so now I get to talk to you, you know? <laughs> finally. Yeah. It's, it's been uh, such a slow process. I think life's happened. So we haven't been recording as much, but um, hopefully we'll be able to get back on the horse soon mm-hmm. yeah, yeah sure mm-hmm. for sure um okay so so why don't we go ahead and get started then with you sure. introducing yourself a bit if you don't mind okay um so my name is Tendi I'm Zimbabwean born and bred I lived in Harare grew up there and then for university I moved at the age of 19 to Edinburgh so that's where I did my undergraduate studies. Mm. And then during that time, I also studied in Frankfurt in a dual degree program. Then um, 
went back to the UK, then went home for a little bit, and then came to Marburg in Germany to do my master's. And now I live in Berlin. So I've been here only a few months. Before that, we lived in Frankfurt. Okay. Um, yeah, so I work in finance, um, kind of relatively new-ish, <laughs> um, just kind of finding my feet, you know. But yeah, just enjoying life here in, in Berlin. It's completely different from the rest of Germany, and I like it. Okay, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, I think congratulations are in order, right? You recently got married, right? Yes, I so did. Congratulations I did. Yes, thank to you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wow. So, okay, so you've been like moving around a lot and then, and now you're in Berlin newlywed in Berlin, yes. and all that mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. wonderful living the life <laughs> yeah okay yeah because I remember I messaged you and I was asking you know I was saying how I wanted to know how you ended up in Germany and you were saying mm-hmm. how oh it's such a long story and it, it uh, shows how all roads lead to Rome and everything exactly and yeah. then I was looking to your Instagram just like See if there was anything else that I could glean that I might want to ask about. And I saw that you had mm-hmm. graduated in Scotland. And I was like, oh, wait, did I get it wrong? Like, did she not go to school <laughs> in Germany? But it was I it did. was both. <laughs> yeah, I did both. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Scotland, how did you end mm-hmm. up in, in Scotland? Why did you decide to go there for, for undergrad? Oh, well, um, initially, I was actually supposed to go to Canada, but the visa process proved, I guess, a bit trickier than we anticipated um, for reasons that like we don't understand. Mm. Um, so that was, I think, the beginning of spring. By that time, all applications to other universities around the world had closed. Mm. So because I couldn't go to Canada, I kind of had to quickly think of a plan of, you know, what university can I go to? What's open? My parents said that they didn't want me to spend a gap year at home. So I was under pressure to leave. They mm-hmm. didn't want to see me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was tough. It was tough. Um, I eventually went to a company called um, Global Education. So they, they work with universities around the world and, you know, recruit students to go to those universities. So luckily enough, they were with um, working with a college called Edinburgh International College. Um, and they were still open. Um, so luckily I applied and then I was offered a place. So it's usually just like a one year college. And then straight after that, you're fed into the university, which was Edinburgh Napier University. Okay. And the reason I chose Edinburgh specifically is because I wanted to go on an adventure. I mean, a lot of people I know go to England, they go to Birmingham, they go to London, they go to Hertfordshire. And I thought, oh gosh, like, I don't want to see everyone I know there. I want to do something different. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, just, just make my own story and just go on my own adventure. And then I ended up in Edinburgh. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I know you were able to find a different solution pretty quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, were you disappointed that you couldn't go to Canada? Like, what was your heart set on going there in particular? It it was, and everything had been done. We had pl- paid the tuition. All that was left was for me to get the visa. We'd already bought the ticket. And so when that didn't work out, I was devastated um, to a point where we were still fighting, like, to get the decision reversed. We even went to the consulate in Pretoria in South Africa mm. um, to try and talk to someone to appeal, and they just literally shut us down. And I think that 
experience i saw my mom cry for the first time oh no um, you know oh my goodness you know for me fighting for me and so that really broke my heart um so i think having met people from global education trudine's uh, particular who kind of told me no you know these things happen don't worry about it mm. there's so many solutions you know you can make as many applications as you want we're sure you're going to get a place somewhere um so that was very encouraging and I think I was meant to go to Edinburgh because of the adventure I had that eventually led me to where I am now. Yeah, so it yeah. Like worked out even though it was really, you know, probably felt like a huge blow sad. at the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite a difficult experience, but um, I think I have an interesting story to tell because of it. So right. it's not all bad. <laughs> right, right, yeah. for sure. So you work at, in finance now. Were you studying finance yeah. in Oh, Lord. Edinburgh? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one way you could say it. Oh, um, goodness. People pronounce it differently, so no pressure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so initially, I started studying management with economics. Hmm. And then in my second year, when I fit into the university, I really enjoyed my economics classes. And then I transferred to economics with management. So that's what I studied. And another reason why I transferred was because um, of this dual degree program that the university was starting. Mm. And um, we would end up going to Frankfurt for one year. And then when we'd graduate university, we'd have a degree from Frankfurt in International Business Administration. And then our degree from Edinburgh. Wow. Okay. So yeah. how, how how long was it in total? I know you had a year in the the... International college, I think you said it was before you transferred. Mm -hmm. And then in the mm -hmm. dual degree program, how many years mm -hmm. was that? Um, how would I explain that? Okay. So it was the summer of 2014. That was my second year. Yeah. So it's, it's one year off mm. the exchange. We moved to Frankfurt in September. Okay. And then we spent one year until July the next year. So all those years, second year, third year, and your last year, they all culminate. Is that the word? Culminate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they culminate yeah. into uh, um, your final grade. Um, so they take from both sides into consideration and then they decide what grade to give you based on how you did. Okay. My second last year was in Frankfurt. Oh, okay. And then my last year was back in Edinburgh. Gotcha. So it was, it was, yeah. it was Edinburgh and then, um, the year in Frankfurt for the dual degree program. And then the last mm -hmm. year you were back in, in Edinburgh. Back in Edinburgh. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Exactly. All right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what was the appeal of that Ooh. program? Was it because you got to have two degrees in that amount of time? Or, you know, were you specifically interested in being able to go to Germany as well? Oh, my goodness. Well, it started actually, I think, in 2007, hmm. um, back in high school. Um, we had, I was in a marimba band. I'm not sure if you know that that instrument. It's kind of like a xylophone. It's percussion, it's right? Like wooden. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly, something like that. So we had a whole band. And um, they said, hey, you guys can go on tour in Germany for like three weeks. Just let us know if you want to do it. And of course, I was like, yes, I want to go. Um, so we all went as a band. And um, it was kind of like hosted by the school as well. So we also had one of the teachers there with us throughout um, that tour. Mm. And I just loved, I, I really enjoyed being in Germany. The culture seemed interesting. The people seemed nice. And I thought, okay, maybe one day I'll come back. Frankfurt specifically, I was like, I'm going to go back to Frankfurt one day. Mm. So when the whole Germany thing came up in university, I was like, okay, you don't even have to ask me anything. I'll give you my money. I'm going. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's interesting how that that specific city came up again and you got to go. Yeah. As far as Edinburgh goes, I don't think... Are you the first person I've talked to who's spent time in Scotland like that? Maybe. I mean, either way, I haven't had a lot of people tell me about what Scotland is like or Edinburgh specifically. Um, Can you describe what it was like, what that city is like and, and what you thought of living there? Oh my goodness. I consider it my second home. Mm. <laughs> um, I think it's voted one of the best student uh, cities in the UK. Okay. It's absolutely amazing. It's intense with, you know, Scottish culture. Um, if you go to the main shopping street called Princess Street, you always hear someone playing the bagpipes in like, you know, the full kit um, mm. with the kilts and everything. And it, it's just so nice. People in, in Edinburgh generally, or Scottish people, are just very lovely people. They're generally very happy and they're very helpful. So that was very, very useful, especially for someone who had never lived away from home, mm. like to just be kicked onto a completely different continent and then just kind of told to figure your way out. <laughs> yeah. So it was nice. Um, I quickly made friends. I learned a bit about the going out culture, for example. Wow. That was an experience. Oh. And... Um, <laughs> integrated into it you know uh, getting dressed up every friday to go out and get really drunk <laughs> and um you know get to meet new people while you're out um you know just kind of tour around edinburgh unfortunately i didn't have time or i didn't make the time to kind of go to the scottish highlands for example or to st andrews where um the royal family I guess Prince William, he went to university there. It would have been nice to go and tour. Mm. But I just really loved my life in Edinburgh. I thought that was enough for me. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, because you said you were 19 when you moved, right? I was 19, wow. yeah. Wow, yeah, in, in a brand new country, <laughs> you know. And, yeah. I, I mean, going to college is like a big transition no matter where you go. But you're starting off again in a completely different continent and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm glad that ended up being um, a positive experience for you. Um, it was, it was. <clears throat> I really, I look back at it with fond memories. Were were there other people from, well, you said you didn't want to go where you knew everybody, but were there other people from Zimbabwe who had gone through this, like the program that you did and were placed in, yes. in Scotland with you? Yes. Um, I ended up meeting about three or four other Zimbabweans um, who went through the exact same process of going to Edinburgh International College and then going to the university afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really spend that much time with them aside from a few classes here and there um, because eventually I then moved to Frankfurt. And then after that, when I came back, I started working um, part time in a financial services company. So Unfortunately, I didn't have much time to socialize and reminisce about life in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. But when we saw each other, we would definitely have a catch up and, you know, we'd talk about, oh, did you hear that the supermarket has one goodie from Zimbabwe? You should go and catch it before they will run out, oh. that kind of stuff. So it was nice. Um, but yeah, I think having so few Zimbabweans also allowed us to teach people about, you know, the country. Mm. And imagine being in an econ class. Zimbabwe is very well known for the hyperinflation. So whenever that topic came up, everyone would just kind of turn around and look at me. Oh, just... (laughs) (laughs) And then you just kind of like slowly sink into your chair thinking, oh, "Oh God, when is this going to (laughs) end? But um, it was nice to kind of like tell people that there is more than just 
hyperinflation, you know, the culture's rich and, you know, we're very respect- respectful people and there's so many cool things that you can do and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, also introduce them to other fellow Zimbabweans that you know at the university as well. I see. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have a, like, an, an economics or business background. <laughs> I took, mm-hmm. I think I took econ as a, like, a gen ed when I was in college okay. and that was about mm-hmm. it. And then I feel like I promptly like pushed it all out of my mind. So I wouldn't have to <laughs> think about it anymore, <laughs> but like, it's pretty traumatizing. I have to say <laughs> for you. I don't know. I mean, what was it like when you were in Scotland, you know, what kinds of things or concepts, I guess, were you studying in your, in your classes? I don't know what mm-hmm. a management or economics major would entail. So, you know, what kinds of things were you studying? Right. So obviously the the two main parts of economics, there's macroeconomics, which looks at countries or global economics um, as a whole or Mm -hmm. political economics, for example. And then you have microeconomics, so things like um, companies or industries and how they work and um, concepts like, oh my goodness, how could I forget this? Ah, I forgot. But basically, the concept involves people having... (laughs) When I remember, I'll let you know, it's been a long time since I did microeconomics. That's all right, yeah. Um, (laughs) Where, you know, companies end up spending less money the more production that they make or the more products that they um, consume in order to have their end product, for example. Mm. And kind of this learning curve that they have, the productivity curve, that kind of thing. So you kind of learn, okay, so when is a company or an industry efficient? And um, when is it inefficient or things like, oh my goodness, why am I forgetting all these concepts? I think because I've studied like more advanced economics, it's like the basic concepts have like left my brain. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry, right. everyone who's listening. Economics is fun. <laughs> the basic concepts are cool. <laughs> yeah. I believe um, you. <laughs> yeah, like um, I forgot the name of the concept, but basically when you have to give up something in order to do something else, So you have to think, okay, am I going to lose more if I do this instead of doing this? And basically that's the kind of mindset that even a lot of politicians have when it comes to, you know, taxing, for example, it's very important in economics um, in terms of financial crises or economic crises, you know, housing market, all that stuff. So it all kind of falls into economics and falls into finance and a lot of different industries as well. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Do you know... <clears throat> what you had in mind in terms of like what you wanted to do in the future as someone who was studying, you know, uh, economics and, um, and management and then also branching into international business as well. Did you have like a vision in your head of what you wanted to do with all of that? First off, I'll start by saying I actually wanted to be a doctor. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then kind of fell into business at some point. I didn't really have a clear-cut vision, but I thought, okay, if I can use my economics degree and get into finance, that would be great. Mm. So I did somehow. And um, now the industry that I work in, although it is kind of banking finance, it has nothing to do with finance. Mm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I don't know, life, you know, it goes up and down. You learn new things, new concepts, and you decide, okay, maybe this is not for me, but I can do something else within the industry that's kind of adjacent, but not necessarily like fully involved in, you know, all the numbers and stuff. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 
as far as studying in Scotland goes, I don't know how, um, I mean, obviously you would have had like a lot of adjustment and a learning curve, like culturally, mm-hmm. just living in a new mm-hmm. place. Um, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. if it might have been also adjust- an adjustment academically. Uh, I guess I'm not sure how academics are structured in this, in Scotland versus like in Zimbabwe. And if maybe you had to adjust your learning style or, or anything like that in order to, you know, adjust to being a college yeah. student in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, for example, in Zimbabwe, we used to wear uniforms at school mm. and we had to be extra, extra respectful to our teachers. Whenever they walked in, we had to stand and we had to, you know, greet them as we walked along the corridor, say, good morning, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so. Mm. And then you go to college, to university, and then you call them by their first names. Oh. You can go to uni in your pajamas if you want, like no one will ask you any questions. Mm. You can choose to go to class or not go to class. No one will ask you anything. So those kind of things of having to learn how to discipline yourself in an environment where no one will ask you questions, that was, I think, the biggest adjustment for me. Mm. Um, I had always been keen on, you know, just kind of being a good student. So studying and asking questions and interacting with my um, professors as um, much as I needed to. And it was so laid back to a point where um, you could actually ask your professor, hey, can I take you for coffee so we can discuss this concept that you introduced today? And um, I'm not understanding how, you know, these interactions work. Perhaps you can explain. Um, yeah, so it was nice, you know, meeting them for coffee. And then sometimes they'd be like, oh, in my office, I have this book. I'll give it to you. You can have a read and let me know what you think. Mm. And then, you know, kind of creating a, a different kind of relationship than what I was used to in high school. So it was nice to know that you can actually put in some effort and you can actually get a lot back than you expect. I see. Yeah, so yeah. it's like a little more casual, but then you also get to have more one-on-one interactions with mm-hmm. with instructors and, yeah. and that can become beneficial as well. Okay. Yeah, it's very important, especially when you want to do your master's, you need a recommendation letter from um, a professor. So if they know you personally, then it's easier for them to write a recommendation letter. Mm. This probably is like really basic. And I apologize, I apologize if it sounds like kind of ignorant. But one of the things I hear most in terms of like Scottish people is like, like how they talk and how mm-hmm. I, I mean, from I guess from an American perspective, it's kind of hard to understand what they're saying but it's like yeah. amusing like um <laughs> like it's it's like a, a fascination with you know how they speak and the different words they use and how they express themselves yeah. verbally so I don't know if you yeah. if that was a similar experience for you and getting used to you know, Scottish ways of communicating oh my goodness yes thank you for asking that it's not ignorant at all <laughs> okay. because you won't understand until you actually get there and experience it you think, oh my gosh, I understand the Scottish accent. You know, I've been watching a lot of BBC before I went to the UK and blah, blah, blah. but then when you actually go there and you realize they're different Scottish accents and they're like different degrees of how they roll their R's or how they pronounce their words, like mm. you'll be stuck for a little bit. <laughs> I grew up speaking English, you know, um, our, my home country is a former Eng- um, English British colony. So mm. English has, you know, been there my whole life. But then having to go to Scotland, I think it took me about two months to fully adjust to the accent and, and understand everything. I have this one story um, when I had gone online shopping for groceries and, um, you know, booked it and everything. And then the driver will call you and, and let you know that he's there. So 
it was, I think my second week in, in Edinburgh and then mm. the guy called and I didn't understand anything. And I was like, sorry, I didn't understand. And then he spoke again and I'm like, oh, what? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't get it. And then he's just like, I'm outside. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. <laughs> but this was a different case because I actually um, learned later on that he had a Glaswegian accent, which is much thicker than the Edinburgh accent. So it does mm-hmm. take a while to adjust to the Scottish accent, regardless of Edinburgh or Glasgow or even further north. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I wouldn't have considered that before, but I guess that makes sense, you know. I guess I'm used to thinking of it in terms of like, okay, there's like a an accent in England, and then there's an accent, a different way of talking in Scotland, and another way of talking mm-hmm. in like Northern Ireland. But for some reason, I didn't think mm-hmm. about like regional accents within Scotland itself. Um, yeah. So that, yeah. Makes, that makes sense. Okay. They're so different. Even the slang is different. Yeah. Also, do you remember any specific yeah. words? Yeah. I mean, the typical, like, um, instead of saying little, they say we. And then instead of saying yes, they say I. Mm. Or in some areas, they don't say a girl, they say a bird. And you're like, what? Um, (laughs) Yeah, stuff like that. Okay. So, I mean, you know, if you're having a conversation with a Scottish friend or something, and then they're just like, I, I, yeah. And then that bird, she, she, you know, she knocked off whatever. And you're like, huh? What, 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 what bird did what? And they're like, no, this girl. And like, ah, okay, now I can follow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I guess we say chick sometimes to refer to a girl, I guess. Yeah, Um, yeah. And sorry, this this is so irrelevant. But when you said bird, that (laughs) when you said bird, that reminded me of like an American slang. Well, it's really a black American thing, but like sometimes you'll use bird to refer to like a woman who, like, how can I say? I guess she, I guess. you would call her a pick me now, but like that type of person oh, would be called a bird. Okay. Like, oh, she's a bird. She does. <laughs> she'll go way out of her wow. way to like inconvenience herself just for oh a dude, something like that. So, <laughs> See, <laughs> obviously, it's not the same. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the- <laughs> yeah. So, it's not the same context, yeah. I'm sure, as it's used in Scotland, mm-hmm. but when you said bird, that immediately took me to. <laughs> There you go. Bird as it's used here in the States. Again, it's not it's not usually very in a nice way, but um anyhow, it's just interesting how words can mean so many different things, you know. <laughs> Good thing I'm not tied to Scotland that much, so I'm sure I won't bring up that word <laughs> to an American. <laughs> um okay, sorry, let me get back on track. <laughs> I've never called anyone a bird, but it's just that's that's my association with that word when used to refer to okay. people. But anyway, um <laughs> I mean the whole pick me concept is also quite new. I think I learned about it three weeks ago. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a newer term for kind of like I would say is kind of like an age old concept, I think. Um but anyway, oh, that's no. beside yeah. the point. Um <laughs> anyway, thank you for telling me about, you know, what it was like Trying to make sense of what people were saying in Scotland. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, so, uh, while you were in Scotland, were you, like, in a dorm-type situation? Or were you, like, in your own apartment? Um, 
I'm not sure how new the concept was at the time, but they had these student accommodations where it wasn't specific to the university, but just as long as you were a university student, you can live in these buildings. Mm. And they had different types. They had like a shared flat where everyone had their own room and bathroom, and then they shared the kitchen and the common areas. Mm. Or you could actually have your own uh, studio flat, and they were different sizes. So obviously, the more um, you pay, then the bigger it is. Um, to to a point where I think they had very few actual apartments with like an, a living room and a bedroom and um, a bathroom and a kitchen. So those were like the most expensive. So I lived in a studio flat the first two years. Okay. And um, then when I went to Frankfurt, it was a different situation. Okay. But I can tell you all about that. Um, after I left Frankfurt, I have to say, I told myself I'm never going back to Germany. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And here I am. Oh, <laughs> What happened? Yeah. <laughs> why, why were well, you swearing off Germany? What happened? I think it was, uh, what would I say? It's it, a, a bigger culture shock than I expected. Mm. Uh, living in, okay, for example, before you apply for your visa to the UK, you have to pay, especially as a student or a long-term resident, you have to pay something called an NHS surcharge. Mm which is basically, you know, because the NHS is a free healthcare system. So you can go to the doctor as many times as you want. And in Scotland, you can even get your prescriptions for free. Mm. Um, and people are so helpful. It's like they kind of do everything to make your life, I guess, more efficient. And they just more helpful in that mm. sense. I didn't have to register for my exams, for example. The professors did that on our behalf. All we had to do was attend classes. And we only had three university courses a semester. Okay. So you could really like zone in on your, on your subject and really ask questions. And, um, the professors always had time. You could always ask them for coffee. You call them by their first name. So imagine that and then going to Germany where as soon as you arrive within, I think the first two weeks, you have to go to like the city hall and register yourself as a resident. Mm. And then immediately after that, you start getting all sorts of bills for like, uh, like the TV and radio license and all that stuff. And then you have to explain to them that, okay, I'm sharing with this person. So we're going to be splitting it in half, but then I'm the one who's paying and then having to register for your own exams. So if you miss the deadline, then that's it. Mm. They don't care. Like they'll just like beginning of the semester, they'll tell you, okay, so, um, the, you can start registering for exams within the next six weeks. And then the deadline will be maybe like a month afterwards. They don't send a reminder or anything. And if you don't register, then that's your baby. Oh, goodness. And it goes from having three courses in the UK to six courses mm. in one semester. And then some courses will actually have another course in it. So I remember one I hated so much. Um, we had marketing and then they put logistics. Two different professors, two different classes, but then it was one exam. Oh. Get one grade. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it was just kind of like that adjustment. And obviously if you ask questions to people in Germany, they, they're not, I'm sure they speak really good English, but they just not confident to speak. So if you ask them a question, like, how do I get to this place? Most of them will just run away from you or they just oh. like, I don't speak English oh, and just how like the bus system works and everything. Um, British people are very, well known for queuing, you know, they'll stand in a line and just know your turn, you go in the bus and all that stuff. But then in Germany, it's different. The bus comes, the doors open, you just push away in there mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you go wherever you need to go. Oh, wow. So it was kind of coming from 
kind of like a more structured, very re- respectful, I would say, courteous um, UK. And then going to Germany where everything's just happening at the same time and you have people shouting in the markets and then you have to catch this bus and, and people are pushing in to get onto the tram and stuff. And you're like, okay, what am I doing? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it was a big adjustment. Um, not to say, oh, Germany sucks or whatever, but I think for me it was <laughs> kind of a big culture shock and I just didn't know how to take it. I think also trying to make German friends was a bit more difficult than I anticipated. I mean, we had been told already that Germans tend to be a bit more close, like you actually have to work to have a relationship with them. Mm. So it was um, quite difficult in the beginning because obviously you have that language barrier yeah, and then you kind of end up spending more time with other international students because you're all new and you're all kind of trying to adjust to living in Germany. But eventually, you know, through classes and meeting some other international students who are full-time students in Germany who then introduce you to other Germans, then you kind of find your way around it. Okay. Wow. Wow. See, (laughs) I feel like, you know, what you're saying, it really challenges what I, perceptions that I've had or or other things I've heard about Mm -hmm. Germany, because I'm used to hearing Mm -hmm. how it's like really efficient and everything. Yeah, I don't know. That it's re- you're really painting a different picture for me. Um, I'm really sorry that you, you know, with the course load and everything, and everything being like so, so much less. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Accommodating in terms of like your classes yeah. and exams and everything. That that's. I can see how that would have been really stressful, you know? <laughs> it really was. It, it really was. And just knowing that, for example, you can't ask your professor for a coffee. You can't call them by their first name. Mm-hmm. They have maybe one hour the whole week to, um, like for the office hours. So you have to make sure you book it through their secretary first. Mm-hmm. And then they can let you know. Sometimes you have to wait a whole two weeks before you can ask that one question you had. Yeah. About something he explained in class. So it was just, I guess, a lot of planning ahead. I mean, it even goes down to just living in Germany in general. Um, the supermarkets are not open. The shops are not open on a Sunday. Mm. So you have to be super organized in that sense. So it's like once you kind of get into that life, it's yeah. easier. You know the rules, you know how to go around certain things. Whereas like, you know, life everywhere else is kind of accommodating for people who so happen to run out of flour on a Sunday or something. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's it's like people are always at an arm's length. Like you said, how you, it takes a while yeah. to make friends and you have to make an yeah. appointment with your professor. Like you can't just yeah. like engage with people immediately yeah, when you want to compared yeah. to, I guess, how it was when you were in Scotland. So, I mean, oh my gosh, I'm feeling stressed just thinking about all the <laughs> adjustments you had to make. <laughs> So, I mean, no, it's okay, it's all over now. Yeah, I think yeah. My second time around, um, when I came to do my master's, because I had already kind of had this experience and knew what was going to happen, mm. it was actually a lot more laid back. Yeah. I think it possibly has to do with the city because Frankfurt is, you know, it's, it's like the finance capital of Germany. So everyone's just, oh, okay. you know, in their suits, you know, going to work super serious and all that stuff. And then Marburg, for example, everyone's so laid back. They're much nicer. They, they're more smiley. Mm. And, you know, like even in the supermarkets, they'll say, have a good day or whatever. Whereas in Frankfurt, they're just like, okay, your total is blah, 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 mm. pay the money and then you go. Okay, so maybe part yeah. of it was being in, in Frankfurt specifically. In Frankfurt, yeah. And not necessarily like Germany as a whole. Um, although maybe that was yeah. part of it as well. 
part of it a little bit, yeah. But yeah. Uh, definitely, I think Frankfurt was not the best place to start with. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. w- was it... Because I remember you said you were excited to go to Frankfurt in particular uh, because of the time you had there when you were younger. So, I yes. mean... Yes. I know it was, like, a really challenging experience, but mm-hmm. was part of it... Did part of it feel like... what? What am I trying to say? Did you, were there parts of it that you felt positively about that were like, oh yeah, this is what I wanted to come back to? Or yeah, this is why I wanted to come back to Frankfurt. Was there anything like that that was like, um, you felt was really positive part of being in Frankfurt? I mean, the food festivals are great. Mm. And, you know, obviously having a Schengen visa, for example, you'd be able to go to other countries, no problem. Meeting, I think, there's a term in German, they say multiculti, like it's multicultural. Mm-hmm. There's so many different um, citizens from so many different countries that you can meet in Germany. I made a friend, actually quite a few friends from Hungary, from South Korea. And funny enough, I ended up when I was in Zimbabwe, I actually spent time with my South Korean friend. She was also in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. and she brought her Spanish friend too, who I met in Frankfurt and then we went on holiday together. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so nice. it's like... um that thing and and it's it's just different i i thought the shopping experience was different it's much easier it's much um i would say the living expenses are much lower in germany than they are in the uk for example mm. um what else i mean you also get money back for recycling your your plastic and glass bottles mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> that has to count for something right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um what else uh, yeah, I thought the German guys were pretty hot too. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's about it. Um I think my second experience in Frankfurt kind of maybe not enjoyed as much. Mm. Um but I still did try to kind of find positive experiences throughout. Um but I have to thank my friends who are still my friends now who I met there. They yeah. made it a little bit easier for me. Yeah, they made the yeah. difference. Mm, yeah, they did. Okay. So, you know, you did your year in Frankfurt for mm-hmm. your degree program. Mm-hmm. You said, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back to Germany. Mm-hmm. I was like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Went back to Scotland. Exactly. You finished everything up there. I mean, how did yes. you, um, actually, no, before I ask that, I wanted to, yeah. I was wondering, you know, you just mentioned going back to Zimbabwe, but were your parents mm-hmm. or, any, or any of your folks from back home, were they able to visit you at all while you were in Scotland? Um, no, unfortunately. My dad, for health reasons, traveling makes it a little bit more complicated. Mm. We have to plan much in advance, which is and it's super expensive and stuff. So he wouldn't be able to travel. My mom, um, she only came for my graduation, but... She did travel to Amsterdam once and she told me she wasn't coming to visit. So I guess mm. that was her choice. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Um, I still love you, mom. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> that was just something I was curious about, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, how did... So you went to Scotland, you finished your degree. And then mm. what led you to going back to Germany, even though you swore you were done? Well, you mentioned you it was your master's degree program, right? Is that what yes, led you I back did to my Germany? Yes, but there's also a story behind that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all ears. <laughs> so, um, 
one thing you have to understand as an international student, especially if you're not, I guess, American or a European uh, citizen, is that getting a visa for the UK or keeping a visa for the UK is much more complicated. Mm. So during that time, a certain foreign secretary or minister at the time who then became prime minister, a certain woman, mm. I won't give any names, I know made it more about. difficult. <laughs> <laughs> she made it more difficult for international students to stay. Before, I guess, when I came in, um, students had two years to find a job and kind of integrate into society in the UK before they could be granted like permanent residence or whatever. Yeah. But by the time that I applied and got my visa, in addition to having visa checks every six months or every three months um, with the university and like if you're not attending your classes, they will report you. Mm. So in addition to that, um, you only had three months to find a job Jeez. and it had to be above a certain amount. I think at the time it was like between 20 and 25,000 pounds a year. And the company that you were working for had to be licensed to sponsor visas for international students. And they had to kind of fill out this like questionnaire that said that they couldn't find a British citizen or a British resident and a European citizen resident. And that's why they chose you to take this job. So it was like yeah. an uphill battle. So if you weren't already, you know, looking for jobs in those big companies while you were still a student, maybe in your second or third year, then the likelihood of you finding something is quite low. It's quite slim. Yeah. So although I had been working, I think the company I'd started working for in my last year of university, they had kind of been working on kind of getting the license to sponsor visas and stuff, but they just didn't do it in time. So they told me like, maybe five months before my visa expired, like, hey, we can't do it. Sorry, we think you have to find another job. And um, I did for um, a big company. It was a subsidiary for one of the big banking groups in the UK. Mm. Perfect. Team was great. I was like on a, a steep trajectory to perhaps even becoming manager in nine months. So mm. I was like, hey, so yeah, my visa, what's up? And they're like, uh, yeah, we're not doing that for you. What? And I literally resigned like three days before my visa expired. <laughs> and then I left the UK the day my visa expired. Oh my goodness. That's so... Yes. So so basically, um, someone whose name rhymes with Blurisa Blay ruined it for yeah. you. Basically. <laughs> she did. <laughs> she did. But that video of her dancing, I'm not sure if you've seen it. Mm. on the stage i think that made up for it <laughs> i heard she was bad because i i listened to a few um i follow a few black british women so i hear them talk about mm -hmm. or see them talk about how much they they dislike uk politicians <laughs> so i heard mm -hmm. a lot about what she was doing um yeah. She just has her hands and all. The, anyway, it's not like I know her personally. Yeah. I'm not a British person, but I'm like, and I have no place to talk as an American in terms of like really corrupt politicians. But <laughs> that's so unfortunate. My point is, I'm. That's really unfortunate that that you kind of did everything right, and it still was like, nope, you don't get to stay. You know. Yeah, yeah, it was quite sad. I think also having spent my third year in Frankfurt, kind of led me to miss out on like so many opportunities that a, a lot of other students in Edinburgh got, you know, summer jobs and stuff. Cause I was busy trying to chase this other degree. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So then, so like, what did you do then from, from that point? Like, 
what was your recourse after that, after you weren't able to stay in the UK? Um, I had to go home and, mm. um, you know, kind of reconsider my life plans at that point and what I was going to do next. And then my sister was just finishing high school and she had decided she wants to go to the US. And my parents had told her, yep, we're going to pay for that. Mm. And I thought, okay, it's only fair that you focus on on her. Uh, obviously, studying in the U.S. is so expensive, especially if you're paying for it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've already had my experience. You've already paid a lot of money for me to get this degree. So it's okay. You can focus on that. I'll try and think of, you know, cheaper places I can go to study. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I got home, my parents were like, we don't want to see you here. Please leave. <laughs> Make a plan and go. <laughs> They're like, there's nothing for you here. This country is going to hell. So please make a plan. Mm. Um, So I had to decide, okay, so I have to make a plan. My sister wants to go to university and I have to find a cheap alternative. So I thought, okay, I could apply for some scholarships to Canada, but I don't really feel like going back to Canada because they already rejected me once. Like, why would I go back? Um, The US I also considered, but I don't think the US lifestyle kind of fits my life or how I see my life or just Mm -hmm. my character in general. Um, And I thought, okay, I've been to Germany. It's not that expensive. I mean, imagine paying 8,720 euros a year just for living expenses. University Mm. is free, essentially. All you have to do is pay maybe about 400 euros a semester. It'll um, go to the student council, I guess, or the the student body. Um, You know, like they advocate for students and kind of um, organize a lot of events for students. And they have offices where, like, for example, if having legal issues with your landlord or whatever, you can go to them and they can help you out. So it goes to that. It goes for exam registration. It goes for your semester ticket, which is basically like your public transport ticket for the whole semester. And ours in Marburg was so good that you could not only just travel in, in Marburg with that ticket I mean, I don't want to say for free, but for free, mm-hmm. you could use the fast trains in like in the entire state. So that's Marburg, Gießen, all the way um, to Frankfurt and actually all the way down to Heidelberg, which is a different state altogether. Mm. And it doesn't matter which town or city you went to within the state, you wouldn't have to pay for the bus while you're there also. Oh, wow. So I thought that was pretty good. So, I mean, for 400 euros, that's not bad. Right. So you applied for grad school while mm-hmm. you were back home. Yeah. And got accepted to the university in um Marburg. Did you mention what yes. university your um dual degree in Frankfurt was from? Um the Frankfurt University of Applied Sciences. Okay. And then yeah. in Marburg, where what university were you at in Marburg? It was Phillips University. Okay. I mean I'm obviously I'm not recognizing any of these names. <laughs> I'm just trying to get like a picture, you know, <laughs> just get the details yeah. so I can visualize it all. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's where you went. And that's that was went. for like economics once again? Yes. So I studied economics with institutions. Okay. So that's where you went to, you know, I guess further yourself, but also get out of your parents' hair since they told you there wasn't yeah. anything, there wasn't anything for you at home. So you should. Yeah. They're like, what the hell are you doing here? Please leave. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Go somewhere, please. We don't want to see you here. Yeah. 
so you found somewhere else to be. <laughs> I did, I did, yeah. luckily, yeah. And it was actually a suggestion from uh, my Korean friend. She's like, yeah, um, go to the University of Marburg. It's really pretty. I had no idea about the university. Mm. Um, I just saw pictures of Marburg and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a castle on the hill. It reminds me of Edinburgh. I'm just going to go there and study. Mm. So that's what I did. Okay. And obviously the course was in English as well. I think we also have to, you know, let people know that a lot of courses in English are usually offered at master's level. Okay. If you want to go like to the public universities in Germany, most of the courses are in German. If you want to go to an English course, I think you'd have to go to a private university, which obviously you have to pay a lot of money for. Mm. But there are, there are options like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. How, because you already had like a, you were kind of already soured on Germany before and then you had to come back. So, I mean, were you trying to approach (laughs) being in Marburg with an open mind or were you still feeling a little jaded, even though you were able to find a a master's program? And I'm sure that was really uh, encouraging that you were able to figure out what your next steps would be. I guess I'm wondering how open you were <laughs> approaching this new foray in Germany. Like, how how were you uh, feeling about it? Um, I would say I'd have to thank my roommate for kind of opening my mind before I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously finding a place to live in, in actually anywhere in Germany is a little bit tricky. Mm. So um, I had been looking for a while. Um, obviously, I had to do this before I applied for my visa to go to Germany and then uh, I had already lodged my application at that point, And I told him that I'd be staying at a hostel until I was physically there and I could look at flats. Mm-hmm. But during that period of like um, having lodged my application and before they made a decision, I was just looking online and then I found a really nice room. It was like very light and just, you know, in a very central place. And then I contacted the girl and then um, we had a Skype call and, you know, we got to know each other and that kind of made me think, okay, yeah, people are pretty cool. And mm-hmm. then she ended up deciding on me to be her roommate, which is perfect. Yeah. And the day I arrived, my landlord was waiting for me at the front door and he actually helped me with my bags up. My flatmate wasn't there, but she had already made like granola for me. She had left a mattress for me because the room was completely empty. Mm. And, um, you know, she just told me, you can use it for as long as you need um, while you, you know, buy your furniture and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of experience of, oh, you know, like they're actually people who are very thoughtful and kind of understand what it's like to be an international person, mm-hmm. um, you know, having to kind of find your feet around this new city, this new town. And, you know, being a student and stuff, she took me to her um, university classes I made friends with some of her friends who gave me like free furniture oh, they nice. yeah. walked me around uh, Marburg and they showed me like all the cool places to go and um, so that kind of put me at, at ease and you know opened my mind a bit to thinking oh yeah so like Germany's not all bad yeah maybe it's just Frankfurt <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah so you had a yeah. nice you had a warm welcome that really started to, I like, did turn things around yeah Okay. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I really appreciated that. We, I'm actually still friends with her to this day. So oh, that's good. That's I'm good. glad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Um, yeah. Now, geographically, you mentioned like major cities like Frankfurt and Berlin. Where yeah. is Marburg, I guess, in relation to those? Or I guess within Germany, where where is Marburg? Okay, so 
Sorry, I have to open the map so I'm as accurate as possible because (laughs) Germany. Okay, so I would say, first of all, that Frankfurt and Marburg are in the same state, and that state is Hessen. So Frankfurt is more towards the south Mm. um, of Hessen, and then Marburg is kind of in the middle. Okay. Like right smack bang in the middle of Hessen. If you're going to Kassel, which is, I think, one of the northernmost big um, cities or towns in Mm -hmm. Hessen, Marburg would be like the stop point. Like you definitely pass by Marburg or stop in Marburg, but you definitely um, pass through. So Marburg is north of Frankfurt. Okay. And definitely south of, like southwest, southwest of Berlin. Berlin is quite up north and like near the Polish border. Gotcha. And your grad program, since this was a graduate graduate program, how long was, Mm -hmm. was this? Was this like two years or something like that? Yeah. Um, so generally, uh, graduate programs are two years, but they give you four years to finish. Oh. So it's up to you if you decide. Like, they'll give you um, a template and they'll say, okay, so generally people finish within two years. We'll take five courses a semester. And um, these are the critical courses you're going to take if you're going to qualify to write your master's thesis, etc. But they just kind of tell you, do it at your, at your own pace. Mm-hmm. So there's some people who will do maybe one or two courses a semester and then do like four later on and still finish within the two years. Or they'll just kind of stretch it out into the four years. Okay. Yeah. I and um, I took, I think, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Was it three I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> I think it was about three years. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's two years worth of like material that you're learning and requirements that you have to do, but they give you time to like stretch it out if you need to. Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of things happen and, and they're very understanding of that. Mm-hmm. There's a time I had to take a break from my studies for probably half of the semester to kind of, you know, do a lot of self-care and, you know, a lot of healing and a lot of therapy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very accommodating of that. So all the classes that I missed, I could have just decided I don't want to take them at all. They can cancel them, no problem. Mm-hmm. But I decided, you know what, I've already started. I've already um, gotten the concepts and I've already kind of registered for the assessments, you know, a paper you have to write in the semester and then the exam at the end. And I said, okay, that's what I want to do. And they were so helpful about it. Um, so I had to do a lot of the work during the summer. I would have like one-on-one classes or sessions with the assistants who are PhD students. Um, I could come in anytime and write them an email and ask them questions. And they were very um, helpful. Yeah. And they're always available, which was really good. So kind of like the opposite of your experience in Frankfurt when you were studying yeah. in Frankfurt. Yeah. Oh, so it was it was nice. Um, it really felt like they they actually care about students. Although you still have to ask for an appointment two weeks in advance with your professor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they really care. They, they care about your well being, and if you need to take time off, they're completely understanding of that. Mm. That's so good. I because I hear I have not been to grad school at least not yet in my life, and but I hear that it can be very trying, and it can be very difficult. For people to get through. Yeah. So I'm glad that you had that yeah. support. And I'm glad you were able to take time off, like you said, to just like take care of yourself and, you know, deal with some things that you needed to deal with so that you could mm-hmm. be 
Lord have mercy. I don't know where I was going with that, but I'm glad you were able to <laughs> do some self care and take some time off. Was was my yeah, point. it was it was very very important. And unfortunately, I think my body was just giving up on me at that point, so I didn't have a choice. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was definitely much needed. And after that, I actually slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been taking about actually five or six courses that particular semester when everything just fell apart. Mm. Um, but after that, I, I took maybe like one or two classes a semester or sometimes just even one. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's, it contributed to me having stayed longer, but I think it, it helped. It really did help a lot. Mm-hmm. And is Marburg also where you met your current husband or was that <laughs> elsewhere? Do you want to know the truth? Oh, sure, if you feel like telling it. <laughs> of course. It's up to you. No, um, I actually met him on Tinder. Oh, He was in, okay. in, in Frankfurt at the time. And for some reason, I don't know how, I guess because I used to go to Frankfurt quite often to visit a few of my friends who lived there and mm-hmm. to go shopping. We kind of just ended up on each other's radars. And then um, I guess our first date was in Marburg. And it was so beautiful. It was oh. such a beautiful date. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how y'all met. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's how we met. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember, I can't remember if y'all mentioned it on Shake the Table or if, or if it was something that Nyasha had told me when we were conversing about something else. But she mentioned how, mm. like, your boyfriend at the time was, like, your producer or something like that for Shake the Table. He was. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then <laughs> I think at some time point when I started following you and I saw y'all together and I was like, oh, oh, that's her boyfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, that's her boyfriend. But he, he's also helping with the show. Oh, that's really yeah. nice. You know? <laughs> he's so sweet. He's such a sweetheart. Bless are, him. Are you the kind of person, I mean, did you see yourself trying to find love and date a lot while you were, you know, living in, or I guess Europe in general, you know, Scotland, Germany? Were you someone who was trying to date and you know, find someone. Uh, I was, and okay. I had a type. You had a type? Oh, no, I had a type. <laughs> I had a type. Oh. Yeah, I had a type. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy it all worked out in the end. Hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say, like, I was specifically targeting them. But, you know, I was open to dating. Um, okay. I've met... I, I dated people from Russia, for example, Italian people, French people. I've dated or I've hung out or spent time with, you know, some other Africans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess when it happens, it happens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, do you... Sure. What... You said you had a type. What What would you say is your type that you were looking for? Um, I would say not Zimbabwean. That's my type. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's honest. I think I think it it takes a special kind of person, like a a strong person, to date and like to be unconditionally available and loving to a Zimbabwean partner. Mm. I think it it stems from you know, growing up in, in, in that kind of environment, you know, seeing people and their horror stories and stuff, you just kind of ask yourself, okay, am I ready? Because the issue that I had is more of a cultural thing and kind of how they perpetuate, you know, stereotypical 
roles of like you know gender roles of this is what uh, a woman does mm-hmm. this is what a man does a married woman doesn't dress like this she doesn't go out she doesn't drink and i thought to myself okay like i am not that person mm-hmm. so i'm not going to kind of stick within this culture and and this kind of like this gender inequality <laughs> we're also women you know we're also people we also go to work and mm-hmm. now we're expected to go to work and then take care of our husbands and our kids and do the household chores by yourself mm. and i thought nah that's that's not my life so i'm just going to find some something somewhere out there <laughs> and see. see if that works for me yeah yeah no that's honest i appreciate your your honesty in that regard i um yeah i i can understand that it's like why like like you have to set yourself up to be to have all this like pressure and all these expectations right. on you you know yeah and yeah it's like why and, why would i mm-hmm focus on preparing myself for that when I can maybe try to find an alternative. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, also just as women and young women in general, like we've already grown up in, in you know, within the pressure, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they always compare you to someone else. And then if you're doing well for yourself, they compare, you know, their, their kids or their grandkids to you. So it's like all this pressure, you know, you have to be a role model. Mm. So you can't do anything wrong. And, um, you know, like you get a lot of unsolicited advice and a lot of criticism as well. And, and you just kind of have to ask yourself, okay, I'm, I'm okay taking it from my family, but I don't know if I married into another family and they didn't like the way I cooked food. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know how I'd be able to, to live with myself, you know? I just, I just want to be my own person. Yeah. And the person who I'm with just ca- kind of has to be um, open to that and mm-hmm. understanding and, and appreciative and, and loving of who I am. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's a lot. This is, again, mm-hmm. like not um, relevant to our conversation, but when you were saying that, it reminded <laughs> me of my friend. Um, my friend, she's American, but she has lived in mm-hmm. Korea for a long time. She married a Korean mm-hmm. man and she was explaining to me like how when you're a daughter-in-law, in a Korean family, mm-hmm. there's like a lot of mm-hmm. expectation on you, um, mm-hmm. especially from your mother-in-law. So she was saying how she was trying to like make a good impression on her in-laws and everything. Thankfully, mm-hmm. her her in-laws are like they're fine. They're not like uh-huh. you know really demanding and 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 all that. But when you were mm-hmm. saying that, it reminded me of like you know all the expectations and the comparison you get when you're marrying into a family, especially if you're like a daughter-in-law right. and the values are really traditional. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, but you, you know, like you said, you wanted something different from that, and sounds like you found that, you know. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you? It was a long journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is just my curiosity now, but like, what mm-hmm. you had a ceremony in Germany, right? Um, yes. Okay. Do Do you plan to have one in Zimbabwe as well? I don't know if that's like traditional to have two of them. Yes, um, I guess just getting married in general, if you're marrying a Zimbabwean, mm-hmm. especially a Zimbabwean woman, then it's you definitely have to have two ceremonies. So you have okay. the traditional one, um, which is different from like the church wedding or whatever. Okay. So we had the traditional um, ceremony in June and we are kind of now in the plan, like planning process um, of trying to figure out how we're going to bring our two families together. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, with, with COVID, it's, with it's COVID, a bit yeah. more difficult um, for them to travel, etc. And also having to make 
adjustments for my dad to be able to travel comfortably yeah. because of his health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we are definitely thinking about it. We might not have like a whole wedding ceremony. We might have, you know, a party or a reception of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whoever can make it from wherever they are can, can come. But I think it'll probably be next year if things keep getting better. Yeah. If not, then we'll have to delay it a bit and maybe we'll do it at home because it might be easier for a lot of people to travel home. I see. Still trying to um, figure out what the best option would be for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. It's so hard with COVID. It's just so difficult to make plans. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. I totally understand <laughs> <laughs> planning for anything when you don't know what the, what the future is going to be like, you know, especially in yeah. these conditions. Um, Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I know this conversation is not about your relationship, but I just had another question. (laughs) No problem. Please ask away. (laughs) You mentioned how when you were in Scotland, when they would talk about things like inflation or hyperinflation, they would turn to you. um, And you, I guess, in general, were uh, expect... Well, I guess it wasn't always a negative thing, but, you know, you found yourself sometimes explaining to people about Zimbabwe and what it's like being Zimbabwean mm-hmm. and all that. Do you feel like you had to do a similar thing with your with your husband in terms of like teaching him about who you are and where you're from? Yes, unfortunately it's an ongoing process. Mm. Um I think the biggest challenge that we had to face was him kind of accepting the traditional wedding. Okay. Which is um, you know, the the husband's family kind of pays a token to the wife's family to say thank you for raising this woman and you know, for educating her and bringing her here and all that stuff. Mm. And for him, obviously it's it's a very foreign concept, enough to a point where he actually thought, Oh God, like I'm actually paying for you and I had to explain to him, No, that's that's not exactly what's happening. I mm. mean, for an outsider, of course you would see it that way, but it's more of like a token. Um, because I'd no longer be my parents' child, but I'd be your parents' child. And my expectations or responsibility would not necessarily be to my parents, but to your parents, that kind of thing. So mm. um, it was a lot of learning on both sides because I also had to learn to understand where he was coming from and how to kind of bring the two, what I say, opposing sides together and find a, a middle ground somewhere. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's constant, the music, the food, He's kind of come to love the food, which is great. Oh, thank goodness. Um, And uh, yeah, sometimes like little weird things that I do, for example. (laughs) Yeah, like um, in in Zimbabwe, we don't always use words Hmm. to express something. And especially if you're annoyed. Uh So if I'm annoyed... And then I make a little noise or something. Then he has to know, okay, just back away now before things get, <laughs> before things get really bad. Or, okay, I'm just going to run her a bath so she can, she'll calm down, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's been a, a learning. I mean, the, the most interesting thing is when he has to then explain to his parents something that I did at home mm. that he found so funny. Oh. And then I'm just kind of there like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was hilarious for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I, like yeah. you said, I, I can see how that could be an ongoing process. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. So he thought that he was like, they were like buying you when it comes to the token thing he that did. you were talking about. Okay. He did. Yeah. 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 I can see. I think in the past, before I learned more about like dowries and that kind of thing, I think that was my mm-hmm. uh, perception as well. Like, why? 
they're going to buy you like cattle and you're just okay with that? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, like you said, it's not like that, you know, but that's the perception. (laughs) That's it. And I'm so happy it happened this way because, for example, if it was a, a Zimbabwean man, then there would have been even more pressure so um, I guess I, I'm forward thinking. I have friends from different ages, friends who are married and friends who have been married. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of explain that, especially within our culture, once once you get married and, you know, the pressure's on the man to really, like, pay a lot of money and a lot of cattle for me. Mm. And then because of that, then there are higher expectations of me as a wife in the home. And that can also cause problems later on mm. if I don't perform to a satisfactory level to him mm-hmm. or like you know to his parents in his parents opinion yeah so it's like okay if I, if I bring someone else in who's kind of new and you know we can kind of figure it out on our own I'm not saying that all Zimbabwean men and all Zimbabwean families are bad mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all what I'm saying right. is that I guess for myself I just couldn't live with that kind of pressure coming from a very traditional household mm-hmm. I just couldn't live with that kind of pressure it's, yeah. it's enough coming from my family and I love them dearly, um, but I can only put up with so much. I also want to be my own person. No, that's understandable, you know, and I think yeah. it's good that you were able to be honest with yourself in that regard. You know, I'm glad that things yeah. are getting off on a good start for you so far in terms of married life and all that, you know. Yes, yeah, so and trying to make it special yeah. <laughs> every day, taking it a day at a time. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for letting me ask you all these questions about your <laughs> no, relationship. Fine. No, it's okay. <laughs> I try not if to you cry. Have to keep but... asking. No, it's, no okay. it's okay. I mean, you know, especially for people who are considering dating outside of their race um, or outside of their culture, mm-hmm. they just, you know, sometimes they have to know, you know, it, it comes with its own challenges. Right. Um, you you said he was in Frankfurt at the time while y'all were. He was in Frankfurt. Okay. Yeah. So he would like I assume would. Y'all would go back to and forth to see each other while you were doing yes. your grad school thing in Marburg. Okay. Yeah, yeah. As far as Marburg goes, like you said, it was very accommodating in terms of much more accommodating than when you were in Frankfurt, um, in terms mm. of just like allowing for you to be like more well rounded and, re- and respecting the fact that grad students have lives and things like that. Um, yeah. Do you yeah. feel maybe it's a given, but do you feel like it was? even more challenging and uh, like academically was it more rigorous studying you know economics at that level in Marburg or was it kind of similar to what you had already been used to when you were studying in Scotland um I think from a concept and just the level is is different because it's it's more advanced at this point right okay um you know people from from this particular stage will either go on to get their PhDs and, you know, eventually become professors Hmm. or they go into the professional world. So it's definitely more demanding. It's definitely more challenging in terms of um, being able to articulate your point and Mm -hmm. to have enough evidence to back it up. So that's what they expect from you at master's level. 
and to be able to integrate like new concepts. You have to constantly be reading all the time mm. things that are going on um, because it's all about current affairs. Sometimes they'll ask you, okay, so this is what happened in, in the UK recently with Brexit. Um, what do you think the repercussions are going to be on the EU in the next five years? Mm-hmm. And then you have to think to yourself, oh gosh, I was watching the news yesterday and then they t- talked about it. But then in terms of economics, these are the concepts that we learned. And then this is how we can apply it and kind of, you know, start a debate going on. So we had a lot of debates in our classes. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of um, small, smaller classes as well. They call them like seminars. Um, so the whole semester, we would really delve deep into uh, this one class that we took that had to do with um, a lot of like uh, technology and and how you know that affects economics. So we did things like Google, for example. You can actually analyze Google from an economics perspective. Um, that class also focused on things like privacy, for example. Mm, that the, yeah. it actually has an economic um, impact. You know, like they'll literally give you just a skeleton and then you have to read for yourself and, and add all that um, information in and actually come up with a, with a picture that makes sense. And that's mm. understandable. So it was a lot of work. It really was. Um, but I think we, I'm, I'm better for it. I think really, yeah. I mean, I got my degree in the end, which is great, but just generally speaking in terms of having these intense discussions and learning to articulate your point was very, very useful, very important. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Once that once that was finished and you earned your degree, mm-hmm. um, did you face a similar issue in terms of like deciding what you were going to do next? Visas expiring or? Oh yeah, um, Germany is very very accommodating. I'll say. Okay. So um, the visa that I had, because you renew your visa, I think every year or every two years in okay. Germany. All you have to do as a student is to go there with your bank account that has 8,720 euros. I remember this because I had to do it so many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that money is given, like, um, you put it into a bank account and it's closed. You can't access that money. Mm. You get that money from the bank and they divide it into 12. So you get like 720, 740 euros a month. So that should be enough for you, all your living expenses, including your health insurance and mm. all that stuff. So, um, after that visa expired, I think you, you get 18 months after that as a job seeker. Okay. So that allows you time to, you know, really apply for jobs because it's so hard to get a job in Germany, mm. especially in finance, especially if you haven't done, um, what do you call like student jobs or internships, uh, during your studies? Mm. It's difficult. And unfortunately for me, my um, particular course didn't have um, a compulsory internship semester or an internship period. Hmm. So it meant that if I applied for a job against someone else who um, had a compulsory internship semester, then they were going to get it. Yeah. As simple as that. Um, so it just made things a little bit more difficult. But eventually I did get a job. And then after that, you have to go through the probation period. I think it's it's kind of international. Everyone goes through that six mm-hmm. months. And then after that, if they like you and you like them, then they'll kind of, you know, sign you on as a permanent member of staff or permanent employee. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely accommodating. 18 months is a lot of time. And yeah. if you use it well, then it's it's more than you need. Right. 
Definitely yeah. better than the three months you had in <laughs> back Girl, in the UK. Like, what is that? Like, you can literally <laughs> go through half an interview process, yeah. like a recruitment process, before you actually get a job in three months. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> that's so... Oh, man, that's so frustrating. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. it worked out in Germany and you were able... Mm-hmm. So were you still in Marburg when you were able to um, find somewhere to work? Were you still in Marburg or had you moved... Somewhere else in I had already? moved to Frankfurt at the time. Oh, I so see. I was in Frankfurt when I was applying for jobs. Okay. Um, and then I got a job at Mindspace. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. Mm. They're kind of like this, this co-working space. There's, um, oh my goodness, WeWork. Have uh, you heard of WeWork? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's literally just the same thing, but a different company. Gotcha. And that's where I worked, um, in Frankfurt which was really, really cool. Got to meet so many different people and they were so lovely and the team was great. Then, I mean, in the meantime, or as I was applying for jobs at Mindspace, I was also applying for jobs um, at other places. So they kind of replied first and then I I went with them because I was like, look, job security, Mm -hmm. we need to do this. And then eventually I started getting responses. And then obviously I got um, a response for a company that I'd been wanting to work for for such a long time. And everything worked out, but unfortunately meant that I had to leave Frankfurt and move to Berlin. I see. And that's where you are yeah, now. That's okay. where I am now. <laughs> yeah. I see. Okay. So, so, you know, you've been, at this point, you've been in Europe for a good amount of time, you know, <laughs> quite a few years. Yes. And I'm sure oh, it hasn't. It's almost 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it hasn't been all just like studying or working, you know. So I'm wondering, you know, where oh, else yeah. in Europe you have been able to go? If there are any really memorable trips or uh, trips you've taken or adventures that you've had elsewhere in Europe? Oh my goodness, so many, so many. <laughs> um, Portugal is one. Mm. I really love my trip to Portugal. We had a girls' trip, which was amazing. We we're in Lisbon. We went to the beach. We went to like um, a spontaneous party in the middle of a park somewhere, which is so cool. Yeah. Um, we got to try like the famous um, what is it? pastry. It's called pastéis de nata. It's like a custard, a, a custard pastry. Oh, okay. Which is so delicious. It is so delicious. Oh my goodness. So yummy. <laughs> um, I also traveled to um, Budapest in Hungary because one of my closest, closest, closest friends, she comes from Hungary. So I got to stay with her parents and mm. really have that Hungarian experience. And um, we went to a lot of different places. We went to Lake Balaton, which is very, very um, popular in in Eastern Europe. And also with um, a lot of Germans who traveled to Hungary, they go there, mm. okay, which is fun. Um, also traveled to the Netherlands a few times. Then, you know, now we can drive to Poland. It's just next door. You know, it's maybe a two-hour drive, spend the day there and come back. Um, been to Italy. My, my little sister lived in Italy until recently, so I spent time in Rome. We went to Naples. Oh. Uh, we went to Florence, which is also really good. Yeah. Also been to France. So it's been it's been great. I think living on continental Europe mm-hmm. with a Schengen visa really allows you to travel and learn so much more about the other European countries and their cultures and their foods, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, yeah, because you can basically go anywhere with the mm-hmm. with the Schengen visa and especially if you're yeah. like not having to cross the the channel every time you know it's a lot yeah. easier access yeah um, yeah definitely so okay mm-hmm. oh I'm glad you've been able to have so many of those adventures that's really great 
Um, it was fun. <clears throat> so whenever you do come to to Germany, make sure you take advantage of that visa. Really, uh, yes. travel. It's so cheap. Definitely. So cheap to travel here. Yeah. Um, how are you liking Berlin so far? Berlin is. It's like a country within a country. Mm. Oh, that's right. You said it was different <laughs> from the rest of Germany. Yeah. It's so different. Um, I think a lot of people here, like if you walk down the street, you're more likely to hear people speaking in English than in German. Mm. Um, it's so international. And like the party scene here is so different. The raves here are so different. <laughs> um <laughs> What else? The food here is different. This is like the Döner capital. You guys have Döners, right? Döner kebabs. Is that what you guys call them? Oh, that's not what we call them, but we do have it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the capital. This is where it started. And they take it so seriously. And it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. And you have like all these weird and wacky concepts of food. Things that you never even thought you would find or tr- be able to try. You can find them here in Berlin. Mm. And people are just so much friendlier, so much laid back, so much more laid back. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a nice place to be. That's it's, good. And it's massive. It's, oh my gosh, Berlin is so big. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. But I love it. I love being here. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I hope you continue to love being there in, in Berlin. I've only heard... Uh, positive things about it from people I've talked to who've been there, lived there. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely. really great. Um, as far as, <clears throat> you know, studying in Scotland and Frankfurt and then pursuing your graduate studies in Marburg, do you have any advice in terms of being able to afford studying in those places in particular or just, I guess, studying in a different country in general? Anything that helped you be able to afford doing that? Um, studying in the UK, um, I think as a Zimbabwean student is a little bit more difficult, but there are scholarships available and grants available for, um, I'm sure American citizens, you can definitely find something. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say if you are sort of, you know, studying in the UK and you decide, okay, I, I want to go on a study abroad, uh, program. The Erasmus program is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, they pay for your living expenses. So like in my year in Frankfurt, I think they paid about 3,500 euros, which is great. You know, um, it, it covers a lot of expenses. I would also suggest, you know, having um, a job, although they do limit your hours as an international student. Yeah. I think it's 20 hours a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the, in the summertime during holidays, it's, it's the full time 40 hours. Germany is definitely the more cost effective option. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends which level, of course, if you're going to be doing your bachelor's, then you have to be able to speak in German, I think up to C1 level, B2, C1 level, um, because a lot of the courses are in German, but at, at master's level, you can definitely find a lot more courses in English. Mm. So, um, I would say, yeah, do your research. There are scholarships and grants available, but in general, if you just want lower living expenses and more of an adventure, definitely come to Germany. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then what about more generally, do you have any tips or advice or like major takeaways that you would want to share with someone who wants to, you know, study in Europe like you have? Um, if you're going to study in the UK, I would say go to all your classes. They will find you if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) They will find you and life will be very hard after that. Oh, Um, okay. (laughs) If you're studying in Germany... 
it, I think you have a lot more pressure. You have a lot more courses. But luckily enough, you don't, if you fail your exam once, you have two more chances to take it again and pass. Mm-hmm. So um, I think on continental Europe, or at least in Germany, they really try to make sure that um, if they accommodate to everyone and whatever life situations that they're going through. Mm. So really just, just no pressure, just take your time and enjoy the process. It only happens once. Being a student happens once in your life and really just live it to the fullest. Mm. Also uh, in Germany... Just make sure you have all your paperwork in order. The bureaucracy in Germany is real. So you have to make sure that you have all your paperwork in order for you to extend your visa mm-hmm. or, you know, health insurance wise, whatever. But just have a good time. Traveling here is so cheap. You can find a ticket from Frankfurt to Berlin for 20 euros if, you, if, if you're really looking. Mm. And um, accommodation is also really affordable. Food here is really um, affordable. So just, you know, come here with an open mind. I mean, look, this is my third time here. The second time I hated it, but now I love it. Yeah. So just have an open mind and uh, be open to having new experiences and meeting new people. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. Those are all really good pieces of advice. So thanks for sharing those. Um, so I'm sure, you know, Zimbabwe is always going to be home. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm sure you have, have plans to go back there at some point when it's Mm-hmm. more feasible to do so and maybe scotland as well i don't know but in general yes. i guess um <laughs> where else in the world would you like to go in the future either for the first time or to revisit is there anywhere that's high on your list of places you'd like to go don't tell my husband but <laughs> i would actually love to visit the states okay <laughs> I would he doesn't to want to come to america <laughs> no, I don't think he finds it very appealing. I don't know oh, why. I can't blame him, to be honest. <laughs> but I'm going to be the brave one. Okay. I would really love to visit the States and, and kind of go on a food tour and, and you know, eat all the main foods from each state. Mm. And obviously join a really good gym afterwards. <laughs> All right. But, um, yeah. yeah, I would I would definitely love to do that. I'd love to visit the States. Mm. Um, I mean, Europe is there, so I, I can't say anything. But also, like, going to Thailand, for example. Mm. I've heard so many interesting, fun stories about it, and I'd love to go visit there, too. I so see. if anyone's been to Thailand and can give advice, I'm, I'm here. I'm ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you've got the U.S. and we've got Thailand. Yeah. I think, you know, for... All the issues America has. If you're going for food, like you said, try and eat the food in each state. I think that was is something that you, like, I think you'll discover some really good things that way. You know, it's not I'm all so garbage as is the, the stereotype. Like, you know. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready for everything. Yeah. Especially if you go down in the South somewhere, you'll find some mm. really good things. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm so ready for soul food. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Okay, wow. so yeah, I hope you get to yeah. do those things. That'll be really exciting. and Yes, and hopefully I get to meet you as well. You can take oh, me around. yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to be your tour guide. That would be so much fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Whenever um, things get better, hopefully in the next couple of years, then I'll mm. definitely make it a point to come and visit. For sure. That sounds good. That sounds yeah. really good. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, if really quickly, mm-hmm. I know I've already taken up a lot of your time already but i wanted to ask oh, okay. um about shake the table about um mm-hmm. you know what that show is about and 
what you and Yasha hope for it going forward? Like what you want to do with the show? You know? Um, we have been, so basically Shake the Table is just a podcast where we share our experiences, you know, um, ha- being Zimbabweans, having grown up in a very sort of traditional culture and now kind of being thrust into this big wide open world where anything and everything goes mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to find your way around all of that and, and really learn to know and love yourself and what your identity is in this world and, you know, um, self-improvement self-love we also touch on really deep topics like mental health for example mm-hmm. it's not a, a very common uh topic that's discussed back home and, and we feel like there they should be room for that um especially given what's going on in this current environment with with covid and, and stuff um a lot of people have been going through a lot we also talk about fun things like dating, for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, just life abroad. What's that like? What you should expect and, um, you know, what you can do to protect yourself or to protect the people around you, um, you know, these kind of things. So going forward, hopefully we'll be able to um, kind of get back online and really just keep having these discussions and, and talking to people about, you know, their experiences. Um, you don't have to be Zimbabwean to be, you know, an, an international, an immigrant somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily have to be an immigrant. You can still have very valid and very true stories that everyone and anyone can learn from. So that's our thing. We just want to have people talking about these difficult discussions and really just acknowledging that we are all the same. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed the episodes that y'all put out so far. I think it's so interesting like you're both Zimbabwean women, but you know, you have your background in economics. Nyasha has her background in, um, public health, you know, so you're also mm-hmm. bringing that to the discussions as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And I really like your, your rapport. I like listening to podcasts where I'm, you know, the people, yeah. they sound like they're friends, you know, like you can yeah. hear, you can hear the, what's the word? Like you can hear the connection between them and you can hear, you know, the friendship between the, the people who are, hosting so you know i've really liked what you've put out so far i know it's been tough with like things going on plus you getting married and then yasha is moving you know she's she's back yeah. in, in zimbabwe now so in Zim, yeah um yeah. hopefully whenever y'all do find a good time and a situation to come back together and put new stuff out i'm i will be listening to it for sure but obviously it's no pressure. Like everyone's dealing with a lot right now. So it's like, it's okay if it's taking y'all a while, you know? <laughs> yeah, but we'll definitely get on it. Um, I really loved talking to her. I think what makes it so special is when we reconnected, because we, I think we had spent the whole undergraduate time having not spoken. I would see her on social media and I'd be like, yes, that's my girl. You know, you come in, you're like, oh, you're looking so fly. You're looking so hot. No, no, Like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah. But then when you actually take the time to just have that one phone call and just really reconnect and you start thinking, like, as you're talking, you start having a lot of shared experiences and having dealt with them so differently. Mm -hmm. And then you ask yourself, you know, I think a lot of people could benefit from these kind of conversations. Because a lot of the time, especially as women, they're things that we are scared to discuss. And And you ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. So we thought, hey, like we, we're your big sisters or whatever oh. it is, your, your, your neighborhood aunties, whatever it is, we will tell you the tea. We'll tell you the real deal <laughs> as it is. And, um, it's okay. Oh, yeah. That's good. How long have y'all and you and Yasha known each other since, has it been since childhood or something like that? 
Um, since the beginning of high school. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. well, since we're 13. Wow. Oh, gosh, we're so old. Oh, no, don't goodness. say that. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> don't oh say that. <laughs> wow. Like, I could have literally gone to high school twice in my age. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> okay. Time passes for I everybody. I'm going to cry. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's, you, it's, you know, sometimes it's sobering to realize how much time has passed. But, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't call I st- you I'm old. still that mentality that, like, 2016 was last year. Like, yeah. that's me. Okay. I mean, maybe not last year because of COVID, but yeah. maybe the year before. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, y'all have known each other yeah. for a long time. Okay. For a long well, that's time. That's good that y'all are still in touch yeah. and you're even doing this really fantastic um project together with your podcast and you know like i said at the beginning i'm really glad that she put us in touch with each other yes because i was looking for trying to think of people i wanted to interview for you know the Mm -hmm. last few people of the year and i was like you know i don't know if maybe tendisa would be interested but maybe you could ask her or something she was like, oh, yeah, 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 let me let me put you in touch. So I'm glad that this all worked out. You know, you could literally out. just hit me up on, on Instagram. I would have been so excited. Yeah, I guess yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I thought maybe, I don't know. I guess maybe I thought maybe that would be too forward. I thought maybe if I went through a friend, no, then maybe you'd not. be more willing to Definitely <laughs> to not. Accept. I mean, any friend of a friend is a friend of mine, really. Oh, um, I appreciate yeah, especially that. Especially when it comes to kind of getting a story out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And, and I love supporting. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so happy that you asked me to come on the podcast. And, you know, I've seen, I've listened to quite a few episodes, actually. And I just, I love it. Oh, oh thank goodness, you. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, I Actually, I related to, I think one of your, no, wait, was she one of your friends? I think she's a YouTuber um, who's in the US, uh, no, in the UK. Oh, Paige. Yes. She, she's a friend of a friend i don't know her personally but yeah Paige. Ah, okay yeah yeah like all her stories i was like oh i can definitely relate to that oh i can definitely relate to that <laughs> <laughs> and i thought yeah like you know you just grow your circle you realize that we have a lot of things in common mm-hmm. for sure so thank you I, I, i'm really enjoying supporting you oh th- you're very welcome yeah. and thank you i really appreciate that um, my, my last question for you is mm-hmm. where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you'd like them to do so? Um, disclaimer, I have a love-hate relationship with social media at the moment. <laughs> okay. Understandable. <laughs> but, um, if you'd like, you can find me on Instagram. My name is Miss Tendi. So that's M-I-S-S-T-E-N-D-I-E. Hmm. Um, I'm also on, on TikTok. I just joined TikTok. Oh, okay. Much to my husband's dismay. <laughs> but you can... <laughs> But you can also find me there. We we made it a public platform, at mm-hmm. least on, on TikTok, so people can really see the the juxtaposition between you know being a Zimbabwean and like being married to a German man, mm. like the most German man you can imagine. Okay. Um, so yeah, you can also follow us there. Um, our name uh, handle on TikTok is Miera Dolphin, which is M U E R A and Dolphin. Okay. So yeah. there's Instagram, Miss Tendi on Instagram, and then. Sorry, could you say that again for TikTok, what the handle is? It's Muira Dolphin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. it's a very Shauna thing. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just, I didn't want to say it and butcher it. That's why I asked you to no, say it again. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> okay. Well, um, thank you so much for your time today. And again, thank you for um, being patient with me starting late again, because I just, I wanted to make sure my energy was right when I was talking to you. I didn't want to 
I didn't want to sound like it was like a slog talking to you. I was actually really excited about this, but I just forgot to eat before I got set up. So <laughs> I, com- I completely understand that happens to me all the time. So really, thank you so much for actually making the effort to eat <laughs> and talk to me afterwards. <laughs> no problem. And I, I really enjoyed uh, having a chat with you. Oh, and I'm super goodness. excited for what's coming next for you as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank um, you so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate just even thinking of me. Oh, yes, so, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, I think, you know, I th- I thought you would be a really interesting person to talk to. So I'm glad that this was able to work out. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening and Thank rest you of your too. weekend. Your day's just starting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, okay. yeah, it's like early afternoon right now. So <laughs> Okay. Um, but yeah, you take care and I will definitely be in touch. All right. Okay, perfect. Thank you, you too. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, you too. Talk to you Bye. later, Zendiso. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Tendi for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. <laughs> Almost forgot. <laughs> and don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young Gifted and Abroad wherever podcasts are. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, once again, that conversation has not been recorded yet. (laughs) I usually have these things stacked in advance, but as uh, the year is winding down, I'm just kind of taking it as it goes. So, provided that all goes according to plan, (laughs) then the next episode, the next guest rather, will be someone who is a writer and researcher who has lived in multiple cities in Japan and is currently a grad student in Tokyo. So you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.